If you have your Bibles, open up to John chapter 19. John chapter 19. For those who are visiting with us, we have been on a journey this year. Uh, We have been on a journey through the Gospel of John, trying to understand more about this man Jesus. Trying to understand what is the foundation of our belief. That we, might, that we might be heavy on Jesus, as you see on the signs behind us. I want, our, I want our focus to be upon Jesus Christ, because He is the author of our salvation. He needs to be at the forefront of our mind in everything that we do. And can I tell you, as we, as we start to get into this section of Scripture, as we're making our way to the crucifixion, We're making our way to Mount Calvary, and we're making our way even to the great resurrection. You know what is coming. You have read these things. You have heard these things. But can I tell you, as your preacher, I feel so inadequate to talk about these things. Usually in my sermon prep, and I'll think, well, this will be an interesting way to talk about this, and this will be an interesting way to talk about that, and... And as I read John chapter 19, it just, I don't know what to say. And, and I, I think, I think that's a good thing. Because there's not much more that can be said than what is said. And to allow the power of what's going on in these scriptures, to allow the power of what's being revealed to us in John's gospel to impact our souls, Because we are reading inspired words about the most important thing that ever has or ever will happen. And so for a moment, put all the other stuff, put all the other junk, put all the other distractions to the side, and let's think about Jesus. We've come to a point in in the story of Jesus where where he's standing before this man named Pilate, and Pilate is an unbeliever. He's not a Christian, he's not a Jew, he's he's not even a really religious man. He's an unbeliever. And Pilate is trying to figure out, what in the world are they so upset with this man Jesus about? Because they're very upset. They, they, They have made it very clear that they want him dead. Of course, the Jews don't have the right to go off murdering people or exercising capital punishment on their own, so so they've got to involve the Romans. But the Romans don't know what they're so mad about. And so so the, the, the Jews have made this accusation that, well, he has said that he's the king and, and he's trying to establish a new kingdom and he's, he's, he's an insurrectionist against the Roman Empire. And, and Pilate has, has tried to understand and he's talked to Jesus and he's come to this conclusion, that's a lie. There is nothing, there, there is no truth to the rumor that Jesus was an insurrectionist. Jesus was the exact opposite of an insurrectionist. He was not someone leading a political revolt in in the Roman Empire. He tried to help Pilate understand when he said, when he said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it was, if it was, my disciples would take up their swords and they would fight. And he doesn't say it, but it would be implied. And if and, and if my disciples did that, we would win. But that's not what we're about. We're about the kingdom. We're about a kingdom that is not of this world. And so I am no threat to the Roman Empire. And Pilate goes before the people and he, and he tells them, this man is innocent. This man is innocent. 
and in, and in an appropriate civil justice system, isn't that the goal? Isn't it good news when you find out that someone has been accused of something, but it's not really the case? Isn't it good news when somebody says, well, your kid did this, and you're thinking, did he do it? And then you find out, no, he didn't do it, he was innocent. Yes, right? We don't want to punish innocent people. Monsters, publish, uh, monsters punish innocent people. Godly people do not. People that value justice do not. And so Pilate goes forth and he says, this man is innocent. The things that you're saying that he's doing, this whole insurrection, he's not doing these things. But the people are still very upset. And, 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 and so Pilate tries to give them an opportunity to save some face. Right? He gives them the opportunity because he says, by the way, has anyone ever said something and, and once you said it you couldn't take it, you couldn't take it back so instead of instead of humbly you know stepping back you went full steam ahead cuz you didn't have the humility to humble yourself anybody ever done that yeah okay yeah look in a mirror uh, we 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 no doubt have done that and and so sometimes you have to give people the opportunity to 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 not when they're struggling with humbling themselves and saying you know what you're right he really was innocent and so, so you have to give them the opportunity to, to, to get out of this without, without looking like the bad guy. So Pilate says, I tell you what, I tell you what, every year at the Passover I release, I release someone as a gift to you. How about, how about if I release Jesus to you? How about if I let him go? And the reason I'm letting him go has nothing to do with you. This has to do with me being benevolent. And the Jewish people who are there will hear none of it. They don't care about justice. They're not out to, to, to know what is right or what is true or what is fair. They just want blood. And, and, they, and they, cry, they cry out for this man by the name of Barabbas to be released instead of Jesus. They want the robber, they want the murderer to be released rather than the innocent man because they don't care about truth. They don't care about what is, about what is holy or what is righteous. I'm talking about God's people here now. I'm not talking about the unbeliever where we wouldn't be shocked to see this, I'm talking about those who would serve as priests before God, before the one true living and holy God, before Yahweh Himself, who claim that they are there in protection of the name of God. But they don't even care about the nature of God. They don't care about what is right and what is just. And so Pilate has to decide, what am I going to do what am I going to do with this man? And the people are turning into a mob and they're hollering out for me to crucify him. And so Pilate, Pilate the best I can understand from the text, who does not want to murder Jesus, decides we're, we're going to give them the blood that they've asked for. Pilate allows him to be beaten. Maybe this will satisfy the people. And that's where we pick up in the text here in John, in John chapter 19, Right? Here in, in John chapter 19, in verse 1, and the Bible says, And so Pilate took Jesus and he scourged him. This beating that, 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 was, that was a severe beating. This, this severe beating that, that, that they would take the body of Jesus and they would strip him of his clothes and they, and they would whip him with a whip. And you've seen some of these pictures and to have some of these understandings that this is a bloody scene. This, this is not something to take lightly. This whip that they would 
that they would whip Jesus with that, that, that had these little pieces of bone and these little pieces of metal so that when it, when it would hit the skin, it would wrap around the body and it would tear the flesh whenever they snapped it back. You ever been hit with a whip? Anybody ever been hit with a whip? My cousin had a whip. Right? I was raised in the 80s. And uh, Indiana Jones was, you know, that was, that was kind of a popular thing. And he had a whip. And when you, get, when you get a bunch of little boys and they got a whip, you can pop that thing, right? And you know what happens when you're out there and you're popping that whip, Aaron? You know what happens? It don't take you too long. You pop yourself, right? I don't even know the physics of it, but I know if you're not real careful. This thing comes right back. Oh. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that I cried, but... That's painful. That's painful. And that's just like a... I can't imagine someone taking a whip and intentionally striking your bare back. Let alone a whip. A whip that, that, that had the full force of a soldier and, and, and these little pieces of bone and metal that, that were intended to rip the skin. And can you imagine after they ripped the skin, they whipped the same place? That's what's going on to Jesus here. Pilate took Jesus and he scourged him. He scourged him. And the soldiers, they, they, they twisted a crown of thorns and they, and they put it on his head and they, and they put him in a purple robe and they said, Hail, King of the Jews! And they struck him with their hands. The, the, the crown of thorns, which would have been these, you've, maybe you've seen some of the thorns that would have been, they would have used in a, in, a, in a device like this, which would have been incredibly painful, but, but they weren't really, I don't think, primarily intended to torture, but really to mock. You, you say that you are the king. You say that, that you are the king of the Jews. Put a crown on him. You, you, give, him give him a purple robe. Spit in his face. Hail, King of the Jews! People would, would take their turns. They would take their turns. The, the soldiers would, would take their turns just, just hitting Him with their fists over and over. And in the back of our mind, I think it's important for us to remember, He was an innocent man. Why are they doing this? Were they punishing a crime? Were they, were, were, were they dishing out the, the, the results of, of, of the court and the thing that he had done wrong and he had to learn to not do these things anymore? Jesus suffered as an innocent man. I don't know if you've ever suffered as an innocent man. But if you have, look to Jesus. If you look at your life and you say, I don't understand why people are treating me the way that they're treating me, can I, can, I, can I encourage you to look to Jesus? Because while we may think that we are innocent, none of us are truly innocent. Jesus was truly innocent. He had not only committed no sin, He had never said the wrong thing. He'd never had the wrong attitude. He'd never given a look that, that, that was inappropriate. None of that. He'd never responded in the wrong way. He was suffering as an innocent man. I have to wonder about what was going on in the mind of Jesus. I think to moments in my life when I wouldn't compare my suffering to the suffering of Jesus, but 
but suffering that I didn't understand the cause of. And I wondered, why do these people hate me so much? You ever wondered that about other people? Maybe when people are especially vile towards you as an individual, maybe towards you as, as, as a church, or, 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 or maybe towards Christianity in general. Why do people hate so much? Jesus would tell us in John 7, it's because of the things that He's revealed. I, I understand that, but, but, but as you think about what's going on in the mind, Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 23, that when He was reviled, th- th- that's what He's talking about here, here, here th- th- they're mocking Him, they're making fun of Him. He's the Son of God who left heaven and came to earth to die for you and me, and the people are making fun of Him for it. He's trying to save them, and and they're not acknowledging, they're not thanking, they're not appreciative, they didn't put His name in the bulletin for a word of thanks or none of that. They didn't care. They mocked Him. Just like people mock Christ today. When He was reviled... He did not revile in return. When He suffered, He did not threaten. But He committed Himself to Him who judges righteously. If you want to know what's going on in the mind of Jesus over over the next few chapters, what Jesus is thinking about is the will of the Father. In those moments when any one of us could understand being consumed with the rage of man and vengeance and wrath and getting even and anger, he was thinking about the will of the Father. If you want to know what motivates Jesus, if you want to know what ought to motivate us, not, I'm not talking about what's easy, that, that's simple, what ought to motivate us when our faith is being challenged. It is the will of the Father. And so, this, this goes on, and Pilate comes out again in verse 4, and he says to him, Behold, I am bringing him out to you that you may know that I find no guilt in him. There we go again. Paul's saying he didn't do anything wrong. I beat him. I beat him to within an inch of his life. I beat him till he bled over and over again. We mocked him. You got your pound of flesh. The, 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 he's, he's been put in his place. He's been humbled. You have brought me this individual, and you have said he is a threat to the Roman Empire. Do you not see? He is no threat. He is no threat. We're not scared of him. We could kill him at a moment's notice. He looks like a clown beaten and bullied, bruised, with a crown of thorns and a purple robe upon him, the people mocking him. I find no guilt in him. And the text says in verse 5 that Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple, and the purple robe, and Pilate said to them, Behold, behold the man. Therefore, when the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify! Crucify him! Here is the man that you find so threatening. There there is no guilt. There is is no guilt that, that, that is to be found in him. But the people aren't worried about what's right. 
are what's wrong. The people just want blood. And so they answered, we have a law, and according to our law, he ought to, he ought to die, because he made himself the Son of God. Wait a minute, I thought we were talking about an insurrectionist. I thought you were talking about re- rebelling, but he obviously I'm not going to find him guilty there, so they actually tell the truth. We want him dead because he's a blasphemer. We want him dead because this man makes an outrageous claim to be the Son of God. The text says that when Pilate heard that saying, he was was the more afraid and went again into the praetorium and said to Jesus, where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. Why, Why was Pilate so afraid? I mean, he was just making the point he is no threat, right? He was just making the point he can't touch us. It could be Matthew reveals to us in Matthew 27 and verse 19 that Pilate's wife had come to him while he was sitting on the judgment seat and said, and said to him, Have nothing to do with this man, for I have suffered many things today in a dream because of him. I think Pilate was just, was just saying, you're, you're telling me that, that we're dealing with someone who's claiming to be deity? I don't want anything to do with that. This is I, maybe what my wife had said was nothing, but this is, this is too, too coincidental. And so in his mind, he's thinking, he's thinking, what am I supposed to do? Where are you from? You've been keeping this from me, right? You've been keeping this from me about, about who you really are. I thought we were dealing with politics. We're not dealing with politics. We're, we're dealing with something far, far deeper than that. And so Pilate said to him, Why are you not speaking to me? Or, or are you not speaking to me? Do, do you not know that I have power to crucify you? And the power to release you? And Jesus answered, you, you, you got to love this answer for someone who truly has perspective. So often when we rage and we retaliate and we get revenge, it's because we lose perspective. Jesus has complete perspective. When He looks at Pilate, and if there are these moments that I would, have li- I would like to see, Jesus looks at him and He says, you could have no power at all against me unless it had been given to you from above. Therefore, the one who delivered me to you has the greater sin. Pilate thinks, do you not understand that I'm the one who holds your life in my hand? Do you not understand that I'm the one in control here? You need to give me some respect. You need to be begging or groveling or working with me or doing whatever, because I'm the one who's going to make the decision. Are you going to live or are you going to die? Jesus looks at him and he says, he says, whether I live or whether I die today is not going to be determined by you. You think it's going to be determined by you. You think that you have power. You think that you are in control. But Pilate, there is something a whole lot bigger going on here today than you. You just don't know it. And we read those words and we apply them to our own lives. I cannot help but think about all the times that I think it's all about me. And it's all about my life. And it's all about what I'm going to do and what I'm in control of. 
And I wonder how many times the Lord looks and says, Wes, you wouldn't have any power at all if it wasn't power given to you by the Father. There's something a whole lot bigger going on in your life and in your, in your situation than you. It's time to know that. It's time to acknowledge that. The, the one who delivered me to you has the greater sin. It, it didn't mean that, that Pilate wasn't sinning whenever he scourged Jesus or that the people weren't sinning. But what he's saying is, listen, you're a minor character, Pilate. You are a minor character in this drama. Sometimes we think about the providence of God. And we always see ourselves as Joseph, don't we? We always see ourselves as Esther. So those are great sermons to preach. Those are great things to think about. And indeed, maybe you are Joseph and maybe you are Esther at this time and at this place. But, but, but to understand that in every one of those stories, there are all of these characters. And this is how life works. There are all of these characters. And maybe you are one of those characters, just like Pilate was. So verse 11 or verse 12 says, So from then on, Pilate sought to release him. I'm not messing with this guy. That's basically what Pilate was saying, right? This is, this is too risky. I'm not getting involved in these things. I want to release him. But the Jews cried out, saying, If you let this man go, you are not Caesar's friend. And whoever makes himself a king speaks against Caesar. The people, the Jewish people, they begin to, to manipulate Pilate in ways that, that even they had not before. And, and they said, so, so are you Caesar's friend? Now understand, in the Roman Empire, to fight against Caesar was a death sentence. To have rebellion in, in, in your Roman-occupied city, this is the thing. You read through the book of Acts, and you look at what they're scared of most of all as the gospel goes into all these places. They are concerned that, that they're going to be a riot, and if there's a riot, then the Romans are going to come in and they're going to destroy everything. Do not want that. And don't think that they won't do it, because that's exactly what the Romans do eventually to the city of Jerusalem. That's what they eventually do. So, so to say... Are you Caesar's friend? They're asking, they're asking Pilate, do you, do you understand what's going to happen to you if you don't do what we want with this man? Instead of asking what is true, they begin to play their political games. Well, well if we do this, then that. But Which, by the way, those are very real conversations that we have to have about about things that we do and things that we believe. It's important to understand the implications of what, of what we believe, isn't it? Jesus encouraged us to count the cost. Over and over when disciples would come, would come to Jesus, He would say, wait a minute, stop, are you sure? Do you understand what you're getting into? Nobody's going to make you be a Christian today. But if you want to be, count the cost before you do. That's a good thing. But even as we understand those things, that's not the real question. The real question to be asked is, what is true? When people will say, well, if you do this, then this. Or if you do this, then, then, then you say this. Or you believe that. Don't play those games. Many times, those are nothing more than lies that people make to try to back you into corners. Don't play those games. Just ask the question, what is true? 
What does the Bible really say about this? What is the reality? And make your decisions based on that, not based on the implications. We get so, so caught up sometimes talking about the implications that we walk right past the truth. That the innocent Son of God is standing right in front of them, but they did not want the price that would come along with, with failing to deal with Him. And so when Pilate heard this saying, he brought Jesus out and he set him in the judgment seat in a place that is called the pavement. In Hebrew, Gabbatha. Now it was the preparation day of the Passover, about the sixth hour. And he said to the Jews, Behold, your king. They didn't like that. They're not going to like that, but Pilate's not going to back off of it. This is really the, the, this game that we're playing here. They cried out, Away with him! Crucify him! Pilate said, Shall I crucify your king? And the chief priests answered. I don't know why, but when I was reading this text, that popped off the page at me. It wasn't, it wasn't the commoners. It wasn't the, the, the laity. It wasn't the people who didn't really... Who weren't, who weren't faithful to the law. It's the chief priests. It's the religious leaders. It's the people that if anybody knew better, they should have known better. If anybody should have been concerned about what the will of God was, if anybody should have been concerned about what the truth was, it should have been these people. The chief priest answers, We have no king but Caesar. And then he delivered them to, to be crucified. And then, and then they took Jesus and led Him away. And I would close with this question. Who is your King? Who is your King? Who is the one that you bow down before? Who is the one that, that you live for? Who is the one that you humble yourself for? There are not many kings. There are not many things that we allow to, to lead us throughout life. Is Jesus the king of your life? When it was suggested to, to these men that Jesus was their king, they said, we don't have a king. Just as Peter denied him three times, these men said, I don't know what he is, but he has nothing to do with us. They said, our king is Caesar. These are an occupied people. They hate Caesar. Caesar is not their friend, but they'll use him. They'll use, they'll use their political posturing to, to, make, to make a religious point. Are politics your king? Do they rule your life? Do you look to them to save you? Are your children's activities your king? Do they rule your life? Do they, do they, do they lead you around and you say, yes sir, yes sir, yes sir, whatever they, whatever they call for? Is the weekend your king? Whatever pleasure, whatever, I've got to go here and I've got to go there and I don't have time for this Jesus. Are you your own king? It's always got to be your way. And if it's not your way, then, then, the, then the world is coming to an end and this is a terrible... Or is Jesus your king? Is Jesus your king? Have you told Him that He's your king? Have you shown Him that He's your king? 
We come, we come forward and we give invitation to be baptized into Christ. And, and it is this burial into the death of Christ. But at the same time, it is a proclamation to the world that I have died to my sin. And I will live to Christ. It is also a proclamation to our Savior. You are my God. And I am your servant. You are my King. There is Jesus. And He is the King of kings. And my encouragement to you is to come and walk with Him. Walk with Him. Even as He prepares to step down the road to Calvary. Walk with Him. And He will lead you to life everlasting. Come and walk with Jesus as we stand and as we sing.